are now listening to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host. And on today's show, I am joined by AJ uh, Tavacoli. Uh, AJ is a developer out of San Francisco. He's a, a, a regular at the various meetups around uh, the Bay Area and Silicon Valley. And he's a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality, um, developing really cool uh, iOS applications on virtual reality with with a uh, cardboard. Um, he's the uh, he's the man behind Temple of Merc. Um, what an amazing experience that uh, Cymatic uh, Bruce got to try out his last uh, uh, Bruce stream of of DK2 Sunday Bruce streams. Um, but AJ, dude, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm I'm really happy to have you. Uh, are you ready to? talk about some uh or geek out on virtual reality today absolutely <laughs> so um yeah man what have you been up to what uh how let's start with first things first i need to ask you about how did you become involved with virtual reality let's let's get that out of the way how did this you know how did you wind up being right in the middle of it all so um that's kind of a long story, actually, so I'll try to give you the abridged version. Um, I'm a lifelong gamer. Um, I've been a gamer since I was practically a toddler. My family bought me a regular Nintendo um, when I was three. Uh, I'm 29 now, so that was quite a long time ago. Um, I went through school being a, a, a gamer, and my family got a computer in the early 90s, and you know, I became uh, pretty proficient with the computer. And I became a computer geek and a gamer. So uh, I played games like Wolfenstein and Doom and Quake, um, a lot of the id software games. And uh, those made me want to become a programmer. Um, eventually, when I went off to college for computer science, I kind of uh, strayed away from gaming a little bit and decided I was going to do a corporate software development. Um, I did that for a while, and I didn't really like it, so I left um, – then I went back and did iOS consulting for about three and a half years. And then um, in the midst of when I was doing iOS, uh, that's when Oculus did their, their Kickstarter. And um, at the time, I thought that it wasn't something that was going to take off. I had always wanted a head-mounted display my whole life. There is actually... Um, in the late 90s, when I was in middle school, I went on a quest to find a head-mounted display, and I could not find one. I actually had bought one at the flea market, and I think I looked it up. The resolution was like 192 pixels by something, but um, regardless of how terrible it was, it didn't work anyway. Um, so uh, I went on a quest to find a head-mounted display, and I couldn't find one. So uh, you know, many years later, when... I saw the Oculus Kickstarter, um, I was skeptical that it would take off because, you know, just like everybody else, we'd seen VR try to come to consumers before, but it failed. So uh, I didn't back the Oculus Kickstarter. Um, my friends were all sending it to me saying, you know, you got to back this. It's right up your alley. And I never did it. Uh, but about a month after it was over, when I saw how much money they'd raised, I, and I realized this might actually take off. And you know, it's pretty much my dream as a developer was to do virtual reality. Um, so I bought an Oculus shortly after the Kickstarter closed, which was a mistake. I should have backed the Kickstarter because I got mine several months later than I should have. But um, I did end up getting it finally in July of 2013. Um, 
so I had already been developing some virtual reality stuff before I got my Oculus. Um, I was thinking of a lot of experiences I could make. And every time I made one, uh, somebody else had already made the same thing or made it like the same week I was thinking about it. So it was a, it was a pretty fun time. Um, uh, so eventually I, I kept doing iOS. I moved out to San Francisco where there's more of a tech community and, uh, this VR community is really tight knit. It's uh, really amazing uh, how we all know each other and it's always the same people. Um, it's really exciting. So now I'm in San Francisco still. Uh, I quit my job doing iOS in June and now I pursue VR full time. So uh, right now I'm kind of living off savings um, of which I have enough, but uh, I do have some guilt because I'm not taking any income. So I'm, I'm trying to, monetize VR as soon as possible. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's most of the story about how I got here. Um, there's a lot more to it, you know, but, uh, I don't want to bore everybody with, uh, with the details, man, what a ride it must be, um, from going, you know, from going from skepticism about this, this product, this thing that was, that it was happening to now you're full out going, you know, balls to the wall, like, you know, you're pursuing. This is your your. This is your life. Um, what was it about it the 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 rift and v, in VR this time around that made you realize that oh shit, this isn't a fluke. This isn't you know. This is actually going to happen. What was it? You know, what what factors or whatever? What got you uh, to change your mind? Really, um, it was the community. Um, it was the meetups. It was Silicon Valley virtual reality and then San Francisco virtual reality. Uh, Carl Kranz and Matt Sonic. It was their groups really that. Uh, kind of motivated me because, um, you know, when I was growing up, um, I was the only nerd at my school. You know, I grew up in the central Valley, um, in Stockton, which is kind of an unpleasant place to say the least. Um, there weren't too many gamers there. Um, I didn't, I don't, I guess a lot of people are into technology, but I didn't feel it because I wasn't around people that were. So, um, that's probably why I was more skeptical than I should have been. But, you know, when I came out here, I started realizing that there are people um, that are like me and are, enjoy the same things. Um, so, yeah, and I think besides the, uh, the community around here in the Bay Area, just seeing how much traction Oculus has built on the Internet, um, that was really it, seeing it all over the news. And especially later, you know, well after I got into it, the Facebook acquisition, um, it kind of a uh, – made it feel more legitimate, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's basically just seeing how much traction Oculus built saying, you know, this is something I would like to do. And it's something that now I can do. Yeah. The, the whole community aspect is something that I think, um, uh, analysts or, or business people really don't take into account when they are looking at the VR space as a whole. I feel like, um, th there's a, a large focus on the, on the companies and, who's managing them and, you know, the talent. But, um, you know, the thing that, that that's different about VR this time around is I feel like, uh, and I, I'm sure you'll agree, but Oculus, their research department includes our Oculus, includes our virtual reality, includes all the meetups that people go to. We, like, we're like, I feel like we're like Q&A testers, <laughs> you know, the de facto Q&A testers on behalf of Oculus. And they're getting all this information and all this uh all this the data that they can utilize to better the product which 
I, I can't find a precedent to this. Do, do, do you sort of see what I'm, I'm saying, what, uh, how this is uh, going down? Um, yeah, it's definitely a very, uh, you know, a very 21st century thing. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, um, you know, this is something that, like, you know, Sony uh, could harness better? Or do you feel like, you know, this is something that, you know, that that's that only Oculus was able to pull off organically? Can can this be, can this be actually fostered and, and utilized? For example, Sony Morpheus or Samsung, whichever, you know? Um, so Oculus has done a phenomenal job at um, keeping their platform open to developers and having a lot of content created um, because it's so accessible. Um, clearly, Sony's not doing that yet, but I think they're still in the early stages. Um, I love the Morpheus, um, and I especially like the Move controllers because right now the biggest problem, the absolute biggest problem I have with the with the VR space right now is the input devices and how much fragmentation there is in that area. There's so many different input devices out there, and none of them are in the hands of consumers yet. Um, the best thing you can really develop with that people have is the uh, is the razor hydra and that's what i'm still using but you know those are actually becoming more rare because they discontinued them um so we're waiting for the stem to come out we're waiting for preo vr to come out uh, control vr you know all these we're waiting to hear what oculus makes and you know trinity magnums coming out now too there's countless and a lot of that i didn't mention um so sony um is great because they already have a motion controller, which is the Sony Move, um, which I think wasn't really popular um, with PlayStation initially, but now it has a place. You know, now that VR is is coming in fashion, you know, now uh, there's a use for those controllers. So I think that's one advantage of the Sony platform. But um, right now, it's it's kind of tough, I think, to get on the developer program. Mm -hmm. But I think that'll change. Um, one thing. I think with Sony is like with a lot of game companies. Um, I think they're going to have a, a a smaller selection of content. Uh, clearly, because Oculus has so much content already, but it's going to be very high quality content. Whereas Oculus has you know a wealth of content that has been created by the community. Um, some very high quality and a lot of very you know low quality. So. I think Oculus is going to have a, a wider spectrum of experiences in, in terms of quality. Um, Sony is going to have just a few really good ones if, if they continue the route that they're going, you know, and they have like big game studios making the content and it's not so accessible to independent developers. Um, but, you know, I'm actually trying to get on Sony's program right now. So, so we'll see, uh, you know, like I said, they're kind of in the early stages. So, uh, We'll see um, where they go and how they open up to developers. Speaking so so speaking from your your point of view as a developer, what are what sorts of things are you looking at when you're deciding whether to develop for a certain peripheral or not to develop? Like, what are the you know you know what is it about the Razer Hydra that made you realize, yeah, I'm gonna develop for this? And what is it about you know Elite Motion that you were like, ah, I'll wait? You know what what is it about a, a particular peripheral that you're looking for in, 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 in the search for developing for it? Well, um, actually, I, I do uh, develop with Leap Motion a lot. Um, Sweet. It's just in my game, I, the game I released, you know, uh, the prototype I released, I used the Hydra 
And uh, I do use the Leap. Um, I am making another application um, that's film-related, or I don't know if you want to call it film anymore, but movie-related. Um, I don't want to talk about that today, but in a few weeks, hopefully, I'll be ready. Um, but that one uses the Leap Motion. Um, I think the main reason I chose the Hydra is because I needed positional tracking and I needed buttons because I have a melee combat game. So I need you need first of all. You know, first and foremost, you have to be able to move your arms. So the Razor Hydra clearly has that covered, and so would the Leap. Um, but I also need buttons to switch weapons, to move. Um, I, I mean, I don't think hand gestures are a very intuitive way. Um, buttons might not be either, but they see, for gamers, I think they're intuitive. Um, so the Razor Hydra was really the only option, um, on PC at least, that... Uh, that I had access to, and at least a small other number of people had access to. Um, but right now in my programs, I'm trying to support as much hardware as possible. Um, in Temple of Merc, uh, I started out with the Hydra only. Um, later, I added keyboard and mouse and uh, Xbox controller. I kind of added those as an afterthought, but I realized that my market was so limited. Um, I'm not selling it yet, so I shouldn't say market, but um, the number of users I could reach was really limited with the Hydra because, you know, not that many people have them. Only really hardcore uh, VR developers usually have them. So uh, now I'm supporting three devices in that program. Um, I would like to support as many as possible. Um, if you recall at SVVR, uh, the conference back in May, Palmer Lucky said, there are no standards right now um, for input, you know, and there really isn't. There's no standards I mean, he was talking about in general, but I think especially for input, we don't know what the standard for input's going to be. And um, there's so many out there, as I said, that I just want to support as many as possible so I can just, if the user has it, you know, they can play my game. So I can reach as many people as possible. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to be limited to a gamepad, though, that's for sure. I, I think a gamepad is bad for VR. It's just not a natural way to interact with the virtual world, you need to be able to see your hands. I'm with you on that. Now, let me just ask you this, maybe this might be a non-question, but do we, do as you as a developer, do you think we need standards uh, for input devices as, as, a, as a, you know, burgeoning industry or, or should there be diversity? What do you think? That's a very good question. Um, I think in most industries, you know, things get, get standardized eventually um you know it's like uh, well back in the dos days uh, if you wanted to support different hardware you had to do some really low level programming and then when windows 95 and 98 came around microsoft started pushing DirectX, which uh, kind of abstracted access to a lot of the hardware and made it so you didn't have to worry about those details anymore um but yeah i think we're kind of in a similar situation now where uh you know there's a wealth of hardware coming out um and it all works a little differently i think we just need something like uh you know an abstract interface that uh, supports as many of these devices as possible so yeah i think i think there should be a standard interface for developers to use um i'm trying to write one for myself um a proprietary one i don't know if i'm gonna make it public that supports uh you know motion controllers so a user can switch between a Hydra or a Trinity Magnum or a STEM, you know, um, and uh, 
the application will, you know, the code will, will treat them all the same. Um, I think uh, Sixth Sense is making the VR SDK, which I actually hope solves that problem. If they do, then I'll just use theirs. Um, that's going to be something that could be very useful for developers because right now it really is tedious um, having to, you know, right now I have like switches in my code and like, you know, different modules for supporting the Hydra or the gamepad or the, the keyboard and the mouse, you know, and then when I add support for another an input device, it's going to be the same thing. So going to be more of that. Um, so I really want some kind of abstraction um, in terms of a, uh, input APIs so just a random question on average how many hours of work do you put into being able to um, get a, a compatibility on a particular uh, peripheral like how long does it take you to get the Xbox controller running or how long does it take you to get Lee motion running um, I'm sure it, it varies but I want to get your thoughts on that it depends on how far into the application development you are like for Temple of Merc um, it was really tedious to get the Xbox controller and the keyboard and mouse working um, because they work so much different from the Hydra and they're so much more limited. Um, I had to go, you know, I'm not an animator. I had to download 3D Studio and make, you know, the trial and try to learn it and make some animations myself. Um, I had to do that in a day. So I had to make, you know, animations of the character swinging his arms and, um, I had to disable the motion tracking and I had to go into my code and, you know, add a bunch of, you know, switches based on uh, whether they were using the Hydra or the keyboard or mouse. Um, so it was, it took me about, I think, I'd say about four days of work in Temple of Merc. Um, whereas most of the features I added that were much cooler, like, you know, how I, I have a, a system in Temple of Merc where it tracks your body movement or it's inverse kinematics. Um, based on your head position. So if you move your head down, your knees bend. If you lean to the left, your torso leans to the left. If you lean forward or back, your torso in the game leans forward or back. I think you tried that, that feature, right? Yeah, I have. Um, and it works pretty pretty well, I got to say. I, I was pleasantly yeah. impressed. Um, that feature took less than a day to implement, um, whereas the Xbox controller took like four days. So uh, just to give you an idea, yeah, it was really tedious because they're so different. Um, but I mean, then again, if I had like, a, you know, um, let's say a pre OVR or something that would, again, that's a more, that would be hard too, because it's a, it gives you more information than the Hydra does. Um, it gives you positions of like several places on your body versus just your hands, whereas an Xbox controller gives you no position at all. So, um, it's, it's tough sometimes if the, if the input devices are pretty similar and the SDKs for them are well made, then sometimes you can uh, uh, add support for another controller pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, if you're making a new program, then you can, it's a little easier because you can just uh, de develop around the devices you plan on supporting. Um, but, and you don't have that much code to go change, you know, you have so many places where you're reading input. Um, so yeah, if you're further along in your development cycle, it's 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 harder. Um, even if your code is 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 well designed, it's still kind of hard to go back and uh, augment it to get a a new input device working. What resources do you use to be able to 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 troubleshoot, or when you run into a wall, like are, are you on the developer forums? Are you on you know a particular site that you can share with the audience? 
Um, well, I mean, it, that's a pretty uh, broad question. Um, it depends. Usually when I have trouble with something, um, usually a Google search, Search, I can I can kind of find the solution I'm looking for on like Stack Overflow or something. Mm-hmm. I really don't have to go to you know I haven't had to go to forums at all in months. You know oh, wow. for uh, for the um, not for the Oculus, not for the Hydra. I just figured it all out on my own by trial and error. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, you know. Um, so I really haven't had to consult anybody else. Um, I'm working on a multi-user mobile application right now. Um, and I'm using a few libraries for that. And, uh, you know, for support for those, I will, I go to the actual developer of the toolkits I'm using and I, I just ask and I've gotten support that way. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I don't have to go to the community much to ask for support because Unity has such a wide user base, um, that a lot of the problems you encounter, the solutions are already on the internet. So you don't have to, you know, go ask again, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one reason um, I never u- haven't used Unreal Engine yet. I I bought it the first when it first came out back in March, the first day, and I loved it. Uh, the only thing was the support. The community was smaller, very small compared to Unity. Plus, there's no asset store, which is really the reason I don't use it. So um, I'm yeah, I'm totally incapable of making art assets. So I I need to be using a tool that has an asset store, which is really only Unity right now. Hmm. Yeah, Unreal is uh is interesting in that way. Like you, uh, yeah, you have to be, you gotta you gotta tweak with it a lot, play with it a lot. If if there you can't find the answer in the community, um, but it's coming along. Uh, let's talk about your project, Temple of Merc, and this iOS mobile multiplayer thing that you've created. Starting with Temple of Merc, how did that come about? What was the idea? What what was the thought inside your head that was like, you know what? I'm gonna make a temple crawler where I'm gonna hack and slash my way through demons and zombies and all sorts of crazy shit. Like, you know, how, how did you come up with that? So uh, back in May, uh, I wanted to make a first-person dungeon crawler. Um, as I don't remember why I started that project specifically. <laughs> um, I think I got into it, and it, it my progress progress was more rapid than I expected. So I kind of just stuck with it. Um, so basically my original plan was kind of, kind of like making like a, a a first person Diablo, but like, just like a one level demo. It was going to be real dark and kind of scary and the monsters were going to run out and you just like, it'd be really brutal. Like, like they'd kill you if you didn't fight back right away. And, uh, I, I strayed away from that approach. I'm trying to remember why. I think a big part of it was, uh, um, the content that I had access to in the asset store, it just didn't really lend. I mean, it, there is plenty of content to do that type of thing, but I felt like, uh, if I made it a little more lighthearted and not so dark, it might be more fun for people. Um, and I, I think the game kind of just ended up being a little too, uh, a little too goofy to be, you know, so serious. So I, I kind of took more of like a, an army of darkness angle. I see. Uh, so basically, I had that first-person dungeon crawler, which is real dark, and uh, I just scrapped it in May, and I went on vacation, and then I came back in June, and right before I, I quit my iOS job, um, I uh, 
I started Temple of Merc, and originally it didn't have a name. I was asking around. I'm I'm horrible at coming up with names. Um, I can I generate ideas like crazy for games, for experiences, you know, for stories. But names, I, I just can't do it. I'm just terrible. So um, basically, I started this unnamed game um, where you have full body awareness. You can see your body, and you kill stuff with melee. Um, there were a lot of shooting experiences out there, but I didn't feel there were enough melee ones. And melee is pretty tough to do in VR, um, to do it right at least. And the reason is, you know, there's no haptic feedback in input devices right now. And there's probably never or, you know, not for a long time at least, can it be a way to reach out and touch a wall. So your arm goes right through the wall, your weapon goes right through the wall. Mm -hmm. And no matter how you try to compensate for that, it's not natural. If you stop the user's hand or their weapon when it hits the wall, it still doesn't feel natural because what they're seeing doesn't correspond to what their body's doing. So uh, I felt it was an interesting problem to attack. And uh, I wanted to make a game, again, it was gonna be an adventure game. And now it's coming back to me. Now I remember what I, what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, a lot of the games that inspired me when I was growing up were like uh, a lot of the Nintendo games, like Metroid, um, Ocarina of Time. Um, you know, a lot of I kind of wanted to make an adventure game that wasn't fantasy um, because I felt like felt like the fantasy teeth is really overplayed. It's like just there's too much of it these days. You know, you have Game of Thrones, you have a million games that all our fantasy they all look the same you know and it's a really cool motif you know but i just feel like it's a there's too much of it out there so i went and i tried to make like it, it the environment more psychedelic <laughs> like there'd be like crazy eyes and stuff floating around looking at you and you know just it would be more abstract kind of like a you know some kind of it is more abstract more psychedelic than a, a, a typical game would be but when I got into making it, I realized since I can't produce art assets, I have to buy um, the content from the asset store. So I just made it fantasy because you know what? There's a ton of fantasy assets. There's skeletons, there's goblins, there's trolls, minotaurs, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I was able to very easily find in the asset store. So I just said, you know what? I'm just going to make a game that's, you know, generic, but it has a few unique features. So, um, I was going to make it still adventure, like where uh, you have to like go from module to module, like different levels, but you kind of unlock them using in-app purchases. Yeah. Um, I wasn't just targeting VR. I'll get to that in a moment. But uh, I realized that this probably wasn't going to give me a, a, a return on, a, you know, I wasn't going to get any money out of this most likely. And uh, if I made an adventure game, it was going to take realistically, it would take me probably many months or years so I just decided to make it arcade style where the enemies spawn, you kill them all, you go to the next level. That way there's not really any kind of, um, a lot of the complexity that makes adventure games take so long, you know? So, uh, yeah, I was mainly in, for, in it for the technology. Um, I don't want to go head to head with, you know, game studios that have resources and they can make, you know, really long adventure games. So I just kind of wanted to demonstrate full body awareness, melee and VR, and just a cool environment, kind of fun. And uh, I just wanted to get it out there. And I, I got the prototype done, so I guess I met that goal. Congratulations on that. Um, just, I just want to ask you, like, what are your plans for the future of Temple of Merc? Um, is this gonna? Are you is is there gonna be a Kickstarter? Are you going for venture uh, funding, or are you gonna 
bootstrap it and put up your own store or what's what's the plan so um forgive me for being long-winded about uh no i appreciate all the information really i went on a lot of tangents uh, (laughs) really uh, i think i should have started with this and um my intention with temple of merc was to make a my whole intention when i quit my job and went into vr full-time was to make something i could monetize quickly um like you know within a few months i i wanted to be monetizing it by like a month ago but of course that didn't happen um so my plan was to support as much hardware as possible and so if you didn't have a rift you could play uh if you didn't have a rift you could play it with uh your just on your computer screen if you didn't have a Hydra, then you could play with your keyboard and mouse. And actually, Temple of Merc is like that now. You don't need a Rift to play it, and you don't need a Hydra to play it. So it's accessible to basically anybody that has a you know, decent decent desktop computer. Um, but that was my intention, was to make it accessible to as wide of an audience as possible and make it kind of auto-adjust to whatever hardware you had. So it's designed for VR, but it doesn't require VR. So um, I could hit like, you know, markets where, you know, casual users that didn't have the Rift. Um, And I planned on distributing it, you know, on the Windows 8 store and on Steam if I could. Um, And maybe the Apple store, uh, you know, for for Mac OS. And uh, that was my plan. I still haven't ruled it out. Um, I wanted to monetize it using in-app purchases and ads. You know, you could buy weapons. You could buy an AI companion that would fight alongside you. Uh, you could unlock different levels. And that was my plan for Temple Merc. And I think I'm still sticking to that. Um, I still want to do all that. Uh, but right now, I am really stretched thin with a ton of projects that I've inundated myself with. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm putting Temple Merc on the shelf for probably two weeks, and then I'll get back to it uh I, you know, I'm trying to look for somebody to help me. I have a few people offering to help with levels. Um, I wish somebody could help me with programming, but Unity programmers, as even though it's not that difficult, there's not that many of them. Um, and if they're, you know, when I do find them, they're usually working and getting paid pretty well. So uh, I'm pretty much doing this all on my own. I don't have too much help. So uh, I am doing. Actually, I did everything on my own <laughs> except the art, which I bought, and the music, and you know, the media. But the programming, the design, the concept, all that was mine. Um, I don't have any help, so it's kind of tough to to get these, these things out. But yeah, so long story short, I do want to distribute it in app stores, and I want to target both VR and you know non-VR users. If people are listening and they're interested uh, in, in, in collaborating with you or reaching out, or, 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 is that a possibility? Uh, yeah, uh, that's a possibility. I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, just uh, sure they can uh, go on my Twitter account, AJ Tavacoli. Um, uh, maybe you could post that along with yep. the podcast. It, it and, shall uh, be in the show yeah. notes. So, yeah, reach Same. out to AJ. He is, uh, that's amazing, man. The the fact that you've put that all together pretty much by yourself, as you said, that um, that's uh, that's amazing to me. That's crazy. And that, I mean, I've played this demo, the Temple of Merc uh, game, and it's, uh, for what it is, it's very well polished. Um, I I enjoy the gameplay mechanics a lot. <clears throat> and just being able to stand 
Uh, and here's a, the thing that, that, that I found most, well, one of the things I found really pleasant was the fact that when I tried it with DK2, uh, you know, the last meetup, it was a standing experience. I was standing up with a DK2, even though Oculus had said that it was designed for a seated experience, it worked just fine uh, with me standing up. And I, I was, I was blown away. I was, I was really, I was really in there battling goblins and trolls and uh, whatnot. So, so that's coming along pretty well. The hardcore gamer inside of me, though, would like to ask a of you if it's uh, of a small request. I understand if it's not possible, but uh, when you get back to Temple of Merc, is it possible for you to include like a hardcore feature, like kind of like Dark Souls, where you know, if you fuck up, you fuck up. Like you, you know, one hit kill. Like, cause I was, I was at one point, I was get, I was, you know, getting my groove. Um, I've done martial arts before, so I know a lot of fighting talk is 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 all about spacing. You know, uh, and and I and I figured out the spacing for, especially with the rift, it's so much better. Uh, figure out the spacing between me and and the monster, how to fight them. Um, but if you get caught that one time. You know, I, I feel like that would be that would make it really, I don't know, satisfying to get through if 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 I uh, if I go about without getting caught, you know, hit. Um, um, yeah, that would be a very. Uh, I'll put it on my list of things to do. Um, it would be really simple to add that. I mean, that's just a matter of making the the enemies do more damage when they hit you. And I can make it so you do more damage too. So it's like one hit kills everybody, <laughs> kind of like a melee Counter Strike. <laughs> Yeah, 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 or God mode where they can't do anything to me and I just one hit kill. I just have like a horde of them. Training level. Yeah. Uh, so what? So so Temple of Merc. Um, but you have your hands on a lot of projects. Uh, and one of them that I got to try out at another meetup because you're <laughs> you hustle man. Uh, was this one where it was an iOS cardboard, you know, so Google cardboard, but you know, with a Dodo case, right? Um, Right. It was yeah. So the Dodo case, uh, which is a heads, it's kind of like Google Cardboard, uh, and it was an iOS um, f multiplayer VR experience. I, I mean, there was someone else in that room with me, um, and for a mobile experience, this is this is the first I've seen. This is the first time I am in a in a multiplayer VR experience on a mobile phone. Um, how what wizardry was involved in this? Um, nothing. It was really simple to make. Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, yeah, I just used the Durovis SDK, which has become like kind of like a standard. Uh, and really, all it does is use the accelerometer to rotate the camera. You know, and it has a two-camera system like the Oculus with no distortion, um, which works. And uh, that's really it. I mean, um, it was pretty easy to put together. Uh, the program is actually. Uh, a pitch for a VR lab, which is uh, something that I'm setting up with uh, Taylor Freeman and Adam Bruce in San Francisco. And it's going to be an incubator um, for creators of VR content. Um, so I, you know, the team is really bullish on, um, on the Dodo case and the possibilities with mobile VR. So um, I just, you know, made that demo as a, a promotion for VR Lab and also to show what is possible um, with the Dodo case. Um, I'm kind of, you know, both in the mobile VR space and in the um, Oculus space. Um, you know, right now we're kind of calling it casual VR and immersive VR. 
Um, you know, the Oculus is, uh, is the much more immersive brand of VR, which is, you know, the hardcore experience for people that want to spend a lot of money and time on it, which is, you know, me and you, um, but the casual users, their first introduction, um, to VR might be on a mobile device. I mean, a phone has most of the stuff that, you know, DK one had in it already. Um, so we'll see, uh, right now I'm, I'm not certain that mobile VR is going to take off, but, um, a lot of people are really confident in it. So, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, trying everything right now. That's awesome. Um, but I want to get your, uh, idea or not your ideas, but, uh, your take on, on, on mobile versus, versus, um, you know, Oculus or mobile versus desktop or hardcore VR, you know, immersive versus casual. I mean, but it really isn't about that. It's about mobile versus, you know, desktop. What, you know, what are your takes on, on, on this? How is this going to evolve, you know, in, into the future? Is the Oculus CV1 going to be Android compatible? Uh, uh, how long do you think it, it'll be before mobile devices, you know, especially the next generation ones, are able to catch up to um, to to the more to desktop experiences? Uh, you know, you know, what are your takes? Are you, as a developer, are you do you recommend to other developers to develop for mobile as well because you don't you won't want to put your eggs in one basket? But yeah, what what are your opinions? Um. Well, I mean, pretty much like I just said, uh, I totally agree. You, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Um, the mobile VR stuff, uh, it's just so cheap, you know, and everybody has, everybody has a smartphone. So it's just, uh, it's just something, it's a really low barrier to entry to try VR. You know, if you want to pay 20 bucks, you can get one of these cases and you can go try some VR apps, you know, and it's not as immersive as the Oculus I'm not even close, but, uh, it's still a fun experience and you know um for people that don't have a lot of money and time that might be the way they want to experience vr mm -hmm. um i think I, I think yeah there's not i mean with the tools that are available now like unity and like unreal engine it's so easy to support multiple platforms um i for a lot of demos um i don't see any reason not to support mobile um, you know, or if you're making a mobile program, why not make an Oculus version too? I probably will make an Oculus version of, a, of the VR lab program that I'm making. Um, I think, you know, there's certain programs that don't translate over to mobile, like Temple of Merc, for example, there's mm -hmm. just no way you have the position tracking, you know, the head tracking, all that stuff, your hands and your head. That's, that's a little too much for a phone right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think... Uh, with mobile, clearly you're more limited on the input. Uh, a lot of people are talking about like Bluetooth input devices, but uh, let's be honest, like who's going to buy those together? Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe somebody will if it takes off. But uh, initially with mobile, we really only have the head orientation as the input. And you can do some pretty creative stuff with that. I think um, the potential of mobile VR is not even close to being unlocked. I've seen the programs that are in the app stores and there's so much more we could do. Um, and it's not that hard. So, uh, 
I think there's a lot more exploration to be done in that space. Um, whereas Oculus is already has like a ton of content, you know, out there already. Yeah, I'm with you 100% in the fact that really the future of virtual reality is in is in mobile somehow. Um, because it's uh, I, just I didn't yeah. Say that. I think that I think that there's gonna there might be both. Um, but, uh, mm. Well, let's talk about that because uh, I don't I I mm. because if 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 Facebook uh, is to in my opinion if Facebook is to reach their goal of reaching a one billion user metaverse, I find it very difficult for them to do that with uh, sticking with PC. <laughs> um, I I agree there will be there will be both, but I think mobile will overtake PC. By far, just because of the expansion and the explosion of mobile phones in our day and age. Um, uh, but the question, really, that I wanted to ask you was like, and we were having this, we were talking about this last night at the at the <laughs> at the bar after the LinkedIn meetup. Um, is it is 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 mobile right now? Uh, you know, there, there's two sort of camps of or two schools of thought with with mobile right now. One of them saying um, you know, these dodo cases, these cardboard, these Durovis dive experiences, they're the gateway drug. Um, they're the, they're the first taste of VR that will make people jump in further into the pool where Arc Oculus and Morpheus resides. That's one school of thought. The second school of thought is like, you know, because of the accessibility and the ease of use in terms of creation, there's a likelihood of creating bad VR with uh, mobile, uh, and and therefore you will turn off more people um, from VR. So yeah. where do you fall in in all of this, or what are your thoughts? Um, I think both uh, perspectives are correct. Um, you know, when you show somebody uh, uh, something on Google Cardboard, for example, or a Dodo case. Uh, you know, they're intrigued by it, and some people really like it a lot better than others from what I've seen. There's, it seems to be split almost evenly, whereas there's some people that just try the Dodo case, and, oh, man, they're just, they just love it. And some people are just like, ah, oh, it's okay. You know, it's kind of a gimmick, but, you know. Uh, so given that uh, there's some people that love it, though, it, it points to there being a market for it. And um, I think that it's correct. You're correct. It is a gateway drug, um, you know that metaphor works, I think, because when people try it, they are kind of introduced to it, then they might go learn about the Oculus. Um, and if they're super intrigued, they might buy it. But that's kind of a big jump, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, that's like, a, as far as it being a bad VR, um, I see that perspective as well. If people if most of the VR uh, content that's out there is for mobile and most people are trying on mobile and a lot of people think the experiences are underwhelming, they might brush off, you know, more uh, high quality experiences with like the, that are available, you know, on the Oculus, on the Morpheus. Um, and that could be a bad thing. Um, I, I think though, uh, it really depends on what people make for the cardboard and what gets popular. Um, I keep calling it cardboard, but I should just say mobile VR. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think it really depends on uh, on the, the quality of the content that uh, that people make for that. Because if 
I mean, there's this like the app store right now. It's saturated. Um, there's a lot of ton of low quality apps. As soon as Apple, you know, kind of uh, got less strict with their requirements and uh, wasn't so selective, uh, it just the floodgates opened and a lot of really low quality stuff came in. And it, that that happens to to any kind of channel for distributing things. If you know, as soon as they lighten up the restrictions, I think that. Uh, for mobile VR, there'll be some very, very cool things, and there'll also be some terrible things. And as long as the, you know, the cool things are getting attention, then maybe it won't hurt VR so much. Um, but again, this is all kind of a speculation. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with people's opinions. Are they going to be formed based on mobile, or is it going to be based on the Oculus? Because I think more people actually know about the Oculus right now than mobile VR. Um, because it's had so much hype around it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you know what that Facebook statement, they want to reach a billion, a billion users. Uh, I mean, that might be possible in many years, but, uh, I, I still think regardless of how mobile takes off, um, there's still room for the immersive VR because you just can't, you can't match the quality right now of the Oculus experience with a mobile device. You can't have the positional tracking, you know, like it is. Um, it's just almost, but almost everything else is there. It just having the, the input devices that are available for PC, um, that will be available, you know, like the STEM system, for example, along with, uh, an Oculus, there's, there's nothing like that for mobile. Maybe there will be eventually, but uh, the experience just isn't the same, and people like me and probably you, you know, we really crave that really immersive experience. So I really hope it doesn't go away. But um, yeah, I'm with you. I, uh, I yeah, I want to be in the Matrix. Um, I want to be. Uh, I, I want to feel uh, like um, like we've. I want to cross the uncanny valley already and see what it'll what it will feel like to all of a sudden not be able to distinguish between real life and VR. Like, that is going to be a moment that I will never forget when that occurs. Um, but uh, the question is, like, um, that I'm thinking about is, how long before mobile catches up to to this? You know, is it is it like a physics thing? Is it the fact that we can't cram, uh, you know, more... I'm going to murder this because I'm not smart enough to know about this, but like more processors into a phone. Like, is this, what is it about? Why, what's holding back mobile from going all, you know, from overtaking, um, uh, because I've seen like the Tegra four tablet that Nvidia was showing off and that looked really good. Um, you know, but I, I don't know what it is that's holding back mobile de devices. If Samsung really wanted to put out really, really high-quality VR with their Samsung VR device, and they're using a smartphone, from what I've seen, a, a, no, a modified Note 4. <clears throat> What's under the hood that's holding it back from, you know, catching up to, or being on par with uh, Oculus? Um, well, you know, I, I'm not a hardware guy, so um, I'm probably not the best person to ask that question, but I can tell you that the, uh, the GPUs... Uh, and the CPUs in um, mobile devices are surprisingly powerful. Um, you know, there's not as much power as we have on some desktops, clearly. Um, but I, I don't think, uh, 
I think eventually the capacity will be there to do a pretty high quality uh, experience on a mobile device. Um, right now, the GPUs are still a little limited. I mean, remember when you're rendering in stereo, you're rendering two images. So one for each eye. So it basically, your frame rate has to be twice as fast. Mm. So it's a lot more expensive than, it's twice as expensive as just rendering a regular game. Um, so, I mean, I don't think that, I think that the, the crossing power will be there. I don't think that's holding it back, back too much right now. Um, I think, again, we haven't explored that space enough yet. Um, input devices, again, are something that they're just not really a good way to get input for VR on a mobile device right now, and mm -hmm. that's going to change. Um, but like I said, we'll have to see if, uh, if people buy controllers for them, you know, um, you know, maybe some of these cases will come with Bluetooth controllers. Already uh, bundled, hopefully. Yeah, a lot of controllers might be bundled with the cases. I've discussed that idea with people. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's that much holding it back. Uh, lack of positional tracking is a tough one, though. Um, you know, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not a hardware guy, but I imagine that problem would be really hard to solve with a mobile device. Um you might not need it though, but I love positional tracking. The fact that you can move your head around makes it feel so much more like you're there. Any any ideas? Any guesses as to how you can possibly solve that problem with a mobile device? How how can you get positional with with a mobile? Well, you know, uh, it just came to me. You know, if you're uh, if you're packaging a control uh, for your device. Um, you might be able to pack a sensor you can stick on your head, just like you know the stem has you know several different sensors you can attach anywhere. Uh, I, you might be able to make a package that has one that goes on your head too. Or the, the, the case could have a, a sensor in it. Um, hmm. Again, uh, I'm not I'm not totally positive about how that would work on the hardware side, but you know that's one way. I've I've heard people suggest other things, but again, if you look at the way Oculus solved the positional tracking problem, it was using a camera mm -hmm. um, and uh, infrareds. That's going to be, it's not really viable on mobile. You know, I mean, I can't rule it out though, but uh, there's ways that, that they could do it. I think it's, it's definitely not impossible, but then it kind of makes it more expensive. And right now we're trying to make you know, the manufacturers of these, these mobile cases are trying to make it as cheap as possible. Right. So, yeah, it's um, it's gonna be fascinating to see what solutions they come up with. Uh, I, I really don't, you know, off the top of my head. That sounds like a good idea, though. Perhaps like a little clip-on that comes bundled with the controller, and you put it on your, on your collar, your shirt collar. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I I feel I, I feel you. I feel I feel like there has to be, uh, some form of positional tracking in mobile VR for it to be, truly immersive. Now, uh, let me talk more about you, Matt. Uh, what, what, what do you see yourself doing in five years uh, now that you're, you know, going full tilt on this uh, amazing adventure? Um, yeah, it's really hard for me to predict that far ahead. Um, I think that goes for anybody, though, yeah. um, unless life is really boring. <laughs> uh, but fortunately, my life is pretty exciting right now, so it's very hard for me to predict what's going to happen next uh, next few months. Um even I can't, I can't even predict a month ahead right now. Where it's would just, you like to see yourself? Perhaps that would be a better way to phrase the question. 
Um, well, uh, I don't want to be an engineer anymore. Um, you know, I've been a programmer for s several years. Um, I like to realize my own ideas. You know, um, I worked for a lot of software developers and a lot of times, you know, the ideas that are going into the products are mine, you know, not the, you know, people are supposed to be the idea people's, but I'm still like, you know, the programmer, not the idea guy. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be writing too much code, you know, in five years, definitely not. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I might be starting my own company. I might go work for somebody else. Uh, we'll see. Um, I have a lot of, uh, opportunities open right now. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, the, the community, I, I'm pretty, you know, well networked in the community. So, uh, I have, again, like I said, uh, I guess I just can't answer your question as to what I'll be, what I'll be doing even in, in a couple of weeks. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, I think it'll be something good though. What are you, what do you think are the secrets to your, um, I, you know, your, I, I want, I want to say success cause I think you're very successful. I mean, obviously you have vast amounts of ta talent uh, you are extremely talented but is there more to this is there, is there a bit of luck is there a bit of you know being in a good location is a bit is there more is there how 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 it how how important is net is networking um yeah um, networking is huge uh, location is, is huge i can't stress it enough a lot of people that that were always telling me you know it doesn't matter where you live but that's completely wrong um you just don't have the opportunities if you live out in Timbuktu, you know. Um, I grew up in a place like that. I know it's cliche to, you know, move to a big city from a small city and everybody tells you to stay. But at the end of the day, uh, there's just way more opportunity out here in the Bay Area, especially in San Francisco. Um, I love it here. I, I can't say it, you know, stress it enough. Um, there's just so much excitement out here, so much opportunity, so much energy that you just don't find everywhere, you know, um, you know, you have places like L.A. is the same way, San Francisco, New York, where we have that those opportunities and those connections. You, you don't you don't find that everywhere. So I think uh, it definitely helps to be in a, a good spot. Um, I don't think that it's uh, it's absolutely necessary. If you're extremely talented, you could probably, um, you know, do OK if being remote. But uh, it just makes things so much easier when you can talk in person. I mean, even though, you know, with the Internet and everything and uh, it's so easy to communicate these days, it's still, for me at least, um, a lot easier to meet people in person. I think a, a big part of this, though, I'm a little old school, even though I grew up on the Internet. I think uh, I'm not a guy that likes talking on the web a lot. I don't like you know, even when I was growing up, I used to go on forums a lot and type. I'm just not the type of person that uh, that does that now. I'd much rather meet somebody face to face and have a chat, um, you know, and show my demos live rather than, you know, emailing them off. I just I mean, it's not always possible, but uh, that's just me. And uh, but so, yeah, for me, that was that, that that's important. But, yeah, I, I'm not like tremendously successful yet. But um, I definitely think if I play my cards right, um, I definitely could be pretty soon. Uh, that sounds extremely exciting. Don't forget us little people down down at the bottom. Uh, now, speaking of VR itself, like, um, what are your guesses? What are your estimations? What is your hope for what it will become, you know, five years from now? Um, 
Well, uh, I'm hoping immersive VR takes off and that uh, the Oculus is fairly common um, or the Morpheus and or, you know, um, I'm hoping that a lot of gamers have the device. I think clearly, as Palmer Lucky said, initially, this is going to be gamers buying this. Um, but I also hope that, you know, it extends beyond gamers and that um, more casual people buy it too, because if you, I mean, going back all the way to when you saw that, I, you know, the grandmother trying Tuscany and, uh, you know, how excited she was by that experience. Um, it just goes to show you that, you know, you can take somebody that's quite different from a gamer and show them this and they are just blown away. So I think, uh, the appeal of virtual reality extends far beyond gamers. Um, in fact, a lot of the times gamers are less impressed by it because they're kind of aware of it and they know what they're going to experience than people that aren't gamers are. So um, I hope that it catches on as a mainstream um, item. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen in five years, but uh, you know, I hope it's used for a, you know, for film as well. You know, like you know, Jaunt is doing a lot of. Uh, uh, making a lot of moves in the film sector or VR. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping there's animated, you know, movies for VR. Um, yeah. So, um, and also a clearly social interaction as Facebook, you know, the reason they, they purchased Oculus is because, uh, you know, they think that uh, VR is, you know, the next frontier of social interaction. I completely agree, especially when you can see the users, you know, head movement, especially expressions and fit and hands, um, that is a much more, um, I feel like a much better way to communicate than, uh, than typing clearly, but even more than video chat, because, you know, when you're in VR and you're talking to somebody, you get the feeling that you're in the same space yep. and that's something you don't get when you're looking at somebody on a webcam. Um, so, um, I would love to see it take off as a medium for social interaction, which is clearly what Facebook's intention was. Um, a lot of gamers were really uh, disappointed when Oculus was purchased by Facebook, but I really didn't find it to be an issue at all. I mean, it's actually great because it's going to give us more opportunity, more money, and, um, you know, it, it's going to push it forward. So I think it was a pretty good thing. I want to ask you a couple more questions and we'll start closing off the show. So uh, you mentioned something really interesting. Uh, you mentioned some. Uh, you mentioned that uh, the fact that Facebook acquired Oculus doesn't really bother you. Um, and I th and 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 I want to sort of uh, challenge you on that notion really quick. Um, uh, are you at all worried? Uh, not. I wouldn't say worried. But does uh, does Facebook's way of monetizing at all give you any hesitations uh you know for what for for what i see is like yes this is amazing in the short term um and, and uh, for vr but personally i don't know and i'm holding on to uh some form of uh you know just healthy skepticism about what this means for the long term uh, you know, because I, I don't know really, you know, all of a sudden VR in the future of this, the metaverse is not in the hands of awesome people just, is not just in the hands of awesome people like, you know, Palmer Lucky and Nate Mitchell. Now it's in the hands of some dude in Facebook's legal boardroom, you know, um, 
So, so does that at all, you know, long term, you know, or short term, at all, give you any tiny bit of appreh apprehension? I don't know. No, not at all. Uh, okay. Because um, just because you know uh, there might be um, more casual experiences for Oculus uh, that are kind of promoted by, let's say, Facebook, doesn't mean that there can't be stuff for the more hardcore users too. I mean, if you look at the web. Um, you can do whatever you want. It's it's open. You know, it's an open platform, um, and I think VR is going to stay that way. So, I mean, there's going to be room for the quote awesome people, and room for the more boring people too. So, uh, I, I think there's going to be something for everybody. So, I think that's actually um, almost a better thing. So, know? so the thing I was referring to is mo is mostly the issue of privacy, and you know, having okay. some company own your identity and you know, manipulated slash advertising. And yeah, so there's going to be advertising in VR, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, so, I mean, that's inevitable. Uh, if Facebook doesn't do it, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't see that as an issue because it would have been there anyway. Um, privacy wise. Um, well, I mean, this is a piece of hardware. Um, it doesn't have anything inside it out of the box, at least I, not that I'm aware of, that compromises your privacy. It's got to be the software side of things. Um, so I guess if Facebook makes a, a, you know, a, a software platform that is like the Facebook website um, that you feel uh, you know, um, violates your privacy, then I, you know... Um, I think it would be the same as it is now. You know, I mean, they're not going to have any more information about you um, than they do already. Because I mean, if on Facebook you're uploading your pictures, they can see who your family is and you know everything you're interested in. Um, VR, the, the only thing additional that you're giving them is you know the way you walk around and move, and maybe your audio too, which is obvious. But you know, I don't think they're going to be storing that anywhere, not Facebook at least. Um, so I, I guess I'm just not concerned. Um, you know, when, when the privacy issues first started um, becoming, you know, kind of a, a major issue, um, I was concerned. But at this point, I feel like it's kind of out of our control. And uh, I, I don't I just don't think that that I don't think that that, that Oculus is going to have anything. To, I mean, it's not going to change, exacerbate the problems any worse than they already are. I mean, it, it's just there. And I, I think that, uh, yeah, VR isn't going to make anything any worse. To me, the sad thing about it all is that you're you're right. It's it's not gonna. I, I I don't mean to take your words out of context, but I don't think it's gonna change anything in terms of the the people's reaction to it. I feel like uh, even if people found out that uh, Facebook is in cahoots with the NSA and that they're tracking everything you look at inside the metaverse, like it's gonna be the same as it is today. They're just gonna turn a blind eye and look the other way and tell themselves, "Shit, I got other, other you know, I got." more important things to, to worry about, you know, in my life. Um, and they're just yeah. going to take it. So to me that I find that kind of sad because I, I think that, um, privacy is not, it's not just about like, um, it's not about me really. It's not about me. It's about why you're looking at me and, and, you know, and having a really a contract drawn out between me and you, the, the watcher to, 
give you limitations. I don't want you to see me taking a shit. I don't want you to see me, you know, in my most intimate moments of my life. Um, because it's it's mine, right? It, it's that's what I think freedom really means. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a bigger issue than VR. And this isn't specific yeah. to VR. It's everywhere in our lives right now. And uh, yeah, um, it's not something. I mean, it's a tough issue for me because I keep saying issue. I've said it too many times, but <laughs> it's a it's for me. It does bother me, but. Again, do I want to be the martyr that that uh, you know fights it? No. Um, and it needs. I mean, if you if there needs to be change, there has to be somebody like that. But again, I, I think this is kind of a out of the VR context. This is just more broad topic about modern technology in general. Yeah. That, uh, that yeah, I don't think Facebook acquiring Oculus has any impact on at all. I'm with you on the fact that it is larger, lar- a lot larger than, than VR, but VR will be a part of it eventually. I mean, I just see it's in, it's in, it's inevitable. Um, it, the thing is, yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge thing and it's all around us. And, you know, how did it get to a point where it's just, uh, it's just a fact of life, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I should have not majored in political science when I went to college because I'm I'm so aware of the fact that there was these thing this thing called Watergate and you know and and and, and like uh, the Pentagon Papers and and it mattered back then and now you have these other revelations that are just as bad if not worse and people don't give a fuck which is I don't know it's interesting it's uh it's interesting times to be alive let's yes. let's move on to something a little bit more. Um, uh, lighthearted. Uh, what what is what what is your uh, f- favorite flavor of ice cream, sir? Um, I don't eat ice cream; it's too much sugar. Ah, you are uh, someone I like to hang out with. I'm I'm a total like sugar uh, anti sugar kind of guy. I mean, I, I I indulge once in a while, but like. I, um, uh, you know, when I, was a, I was a kid, I was a little bit overweight. You can't tell now because I'm really like super skinny, but um, I used to eat a lot of sugar and fast food. And I, I, I don't know. I might have been diabetic or something. So, uh, yeah, I, I just I feel like I was. I probably wasn't. But uh, um, anyway, I avoid, you know, unhealthy food like the plague. So, wow. Yeah, man. We should... uh, this is a little less even relevant to VR than the last conversation, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are, uh, unbeknownst to your, uh, you are inside the rabbit hole. Um, so, uh, next question is, would you rather, uh, and I've asked this a couple times, but I, I want to get your point of view on this. Would you rather be stuck in a robot apocalypse or a zombie apocalypse? Hmm. I think a robot apocalypse, because if a robot killed you, It'll probably be really quick, and it'd be like a piece of metal, like you know, going through your head and killing you, or a laser or something. If it was a zombie, they'd you know, bite you and infect you, and you'd slowly turn, or they'd rip you apart slowly. That would be pretty painful. So, I think a a, a robot apocalypse would be a, a little less unpleasant. I also I would also go with the robot apocalypse uh, for this one reason, uh, mostly for this one particular reason. If we are, if, if if us humanity gets caught up in a robot apocalypse, I think that having a common enemy would unite us, would help, you know, would would make us, you know, forget our differences and our, you know, and our nonsense and and actually unite and and fight this, you know, uh, this this common menace. But with the zombie apocalypse, 
and that would be cool by the way if that wouldn't that be awesome if we all of humanity was like you know what all right we got so we've been dealing with some issues with each other but this is bigger than us um that would be amazing but with the zombie apocalypse the contrast is i feel like it's everybody for themselves because the zombies are out to get you and other human beings are possibly out to get you and it's hard to know who to trust because that person might be infected that person might want to you know uh uh, what's that? Uh, Thirty Daisy, you know, they they Z me. <laughs> that's that's a verb now. Um, but yeah, it, it, robot apocalypse all the way. And like you said, the, I think the, the the dying part would be a lot more um, clinic like clinical, like cleaner. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Are, are you still there, or did a zombie get you? No, uh, there's no. There's like some homeless people downtown that that could that sometimes I think they're zombies, but uh, um, no, the zombies are, are not. They can't access my room at the moment. Okay, all right. Well, that is that is good. You stay safe out there. Uh, uh, and uh, but you know what? I will have to start uh, bringing things down to a close. Uh, so one thing I want to announce. Please do uh, announcements. I like that. Uh, we are planning to do, um, I mean, excuse me, um, pushing this forward. Uh, I want to do a global hackathon um, starting in September and ending a few days before Halloween in October. And the theme will be Halloween experiences. And I'm not sure what the reward will be, but we would have an event here in San Francisco to show the winners. And, uh, yeah, I just think everybody's going to want to make Halloween VR experiences. And uh, so why not organize it? That sounds amazing. Um, how how is this coming along? What is it gonna work? How does it gonna work out? Like, what do you uh, what? Are, give me some more details if it's possible. Um, we don't have any details yet, but um, I definitely have the connections to make it happen. And um, you know, I'm in talks uh, with some people, and uh, we might do it. So, uh, yeah. Sweet. So, if people want to be, if our, if people are interested, they can just uh, reach out to you on Twitter. Um, and Absolutely. perfect uh any other announcements sir before we start closing things off um you know uh at the moment i don't have any um but yeah just uh, yeah follow me on twitter and uh i promise you i don't spam twitter with uh, useless tweets i only tweet when i've done something or somebody mentions me in a you know a good way. Uh, I, I'm not a guy that tweets what I eat for breakfast. Um, so if you want to learn about uh, my future products or, uh, you know, events like the hackathon, then yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter and I promise I won't spam your Twitter feed. That's, uh, well, that's AJ Tavacoli. Any th anywhere else that people can reach out to you and, and follow what you're up to? Where, where, where can they download Temple of Merc, for example? Um, I have a website set up. Uh, it's virtuoso.com kind of like virtuoso but it's a v-i-r-t-u-a-s-o i see what you did there so virtuoso and uh there's a temple merc download there and uh yeah i might change that name um people said it sounds like you know certain things i'm just like a you know i'm like i said i'm bad at coming up with names but uh i have domain i have virtuoso.com so I'm going to stick with it for the time being until, you know, somebody, enough people come and tell me I'm insane for having that name. So, okay. yeah, virtuoso.com. I like it. I don't see why. Why would people give you flack about that name, by the way? 
I don't know. Uh, you know, it's um, a few people like it. Uh, I think most people seem to like it, but the people that don't like it have hated it. Huh. Um, the main reason I wanted it was because I had the idea for a uh, – the logo was a, a, a Beethoven wearing a head-mounted display, and I thought that was a funny logo. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, I can do right that. Right now I'm also – yeah, I can dig it, man. I like it. I don't, I don't see why people would, would hate. You know, haters gonna hate. Uh, so so let them uh, and let them drown in their hate. Um, yeah. Uh, shit. This has been awesome. You are really a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. I, I had a blast blast talking to you. I we have to talk some more um, because you seem to have your finger on the trigger of what's going on, and you're right in the middle. You know, one of those people getting your hands dirty, really, really put, putting you hustle, dude. Honestly, I see you almost at every meetup. Um, I probably because you're probably at every meetup just because I don't go to all the meetups. Um, and yeah, you're doing iOS, mobile, Oculus, trying to get into Morpheus. Seriously, uh, keep the keep up the good work. I don't know how you do it, but please keep doing it. Um, and, and yeah, man, thanks a lot for your time. Um, yeah, I just don't do anything else. That's how I do it. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for having me on your show.